Thank you, Mick. And as Mick said, I was loitering at the front, and I'm still loitering. But standing loitering, or sitting loitering, I don't know the difference, but uh, I'm around for a little while longer here at the front. Um, now, as a church, we are, we're sort of working through uh, one of the books of the Bible in the New Testament, which is called Luke's Gospel. There are four Gospels in the Bible, and they all um, explain in different ways the life and the works of Jesus, which is fundamentally so very important. And it's, so, it's marvellous, really, that we have these books that we can read about Jesus, but um, we wouldn't even have them if God hadn't authorised that and planned it so that we have the history of life and goodness and godliness through Jesus Christ. So we're working our way through this book of Luke, and we're going to read a passage in a minute in Luke 20, uh, 1 to 8. Um, and as we come to this, it's not the easiest passages in the Bible uh, to deal with, and it only deals with, with really one subject as, as such. And, um, and I'm so conscious that there's a, there's a wide variety of people here this morning from different walks of life, but different ages, but different... Christian experiences, some with a lot, some with so very little, and um, some uh, decades, they've been decades for Christians, um, they're like these stone things you see on the wall in other church buildings, immovable, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean, and, um, and you, can't, you just can't chisel them off the wall or anything, um, and, uh, and there's people like the flies, you know, they fly in, they fly out, and they never really settle. Um, and there's people who say, mm, I don't know what this is all about. Um, and so um, I'm just going to say what the subject is and, I, I, and say a few things. It's about, um, it's about a confrontation that Jesus had with the religious heavies of his day. Um, and uh, Jesus was wonderfully showing people how he cared for them. He loved them, he understood them more than other people understood them. He healed people, he made them well. He, he demonstrated that what, his, what he said uh, were wise words. Well, that's good, get that out of the way. And um, people could depend on what he said as a real guidance in life, you know. And so he, he demonstrated this marvellous ability um, to do that. But he was the son of God and God had sent him to do that because that wasn't available in, in the religious circles around at that day. Um, and so, really, Jesus came so every person might have an understanding of God and that we might have life. But the question that rose up with these religious heavies with Jesus was what, what, who gave him authority to do the things that he was doing? And where did you get that authority from? Why are you so different why don't we find there's something in you? But it was a sort of a trick question, and it, by those who asked it, it was a question that needed to be asked, but not by those who asked it. Who gave you this authority? And where did you get it from to do these things? And so that's, that's what we're looking at today, and it's this word, word authority. So let's... Um, Let's read this passage in Luke 20, because in some way we've got to find out how this is useful for us today and how it can bless us. Because if we, if we just stick around that story then, it might not be that helpful, if you see what I mean. So we need to try and bring it up to date and say, 
Why is the authority that Jesus demonstrated then so important to us today? And how can it help us? So Luke 20, uh, 1 to 8. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes, will the elders, came up to him. Now, it's very rarely you get all three dynamics of the religious heavies coming up to Jesus. You find the scribes and Pharisees on one occasion, the elders on another occasion, or the elders, as you read, but they've come together. This is a cohort, yeah? Verse 2, and he said to them, tell us by what authority you do these things, or who it is that gave you this authority. And he answered them, I will also ask you a question. Now tell me. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Some years ago, there was a television uh, program called Yes, Prime Minister. And um, you may not have seen it, but that jumped out at me when I read this passage, uh, when I read it. You know, when, when the politicians are asked a question, they give the answer they want to give rather than the, que- the answer that you need. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He saw the duplicity and why they were coming, and so he didn't directly answer them. And it's a bit like, like that with Christianity. Sometimes, you know, if we were just asking a question to get some ammunition to throw at another one, we won't find the answer. But if we sincerely ask a question of God because we really want to know, we'll get the answer. We'll get the answer. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible which says, seek, the, seek God, seek the Lord while he may be found. But the seek is one who really wants to seek him. Not like a newspaper that's looking for details to write a news story. But someone who asks a question because they want to know. And that's the question of sincerity. This wasn't a question of sincerity. There's a debate today in Britain about how loud soldiers should shout while on parade. The army is anxious, it seems, that sooner or later a soldier will suffer damaged hearing because a sergeant major has bellowed an order at high volume and at close range. The newspapers naturally think this is ridiculous. Orders have to be heard. It's no use whispering on the field of battle, is it? At the same time, the sergeant major receives orders from more senior officers, And they do not normally shout. In fact, the further up the ranks you go, the less likely are the orders to make any noise. 
The commanding officer may simply write down his instructions or speak them in a quiet voice to his next in command. So if someone were to come to a parade ground or army barracks and try to discover who was in command and where they got their authority from, it wouldn't be much good assuming that the loudest voice meant the most important authority. Back in 1905, there was something happened in Wales, which is what Christians call the Welsh Revival. Now, a revival is when people hear what God's saying and they respond to it in a way that's so powerful. And in the Welsh Revival, so many people, so many men, women and children came to know Jesus and it changed their lives. That's what happened in 1905. It's called the Welsh Revival. It's when people became serious about God and they turned to him. Now, there's an interesting story uh, about the donkeys. Um, At the beginning of the 20th century, in the dark and awful Welsh coal mines, donkeys recognised their orders to carry loads of coal from loud, foul-mouthed and blaspheming pit workers. Because of a Christian revival in that place, which I spoke about, many of the pit workers became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ And because of a new desire to follow him, many things had to change in their habits, work ethics, and ways of life. So you heard truth instead of lies. And there was honesty instead of dishonesty. And there was anger management instead of just blowing your top. And there was changes in their general demeanor. But as one specific thing stood out, as these changed miners came to work, The donkeys didn't understand the instructions. And so they had to be retrained to recognize the authority and commands from a totally different attitude and language usage. And so the donkeys were, you know, they they were all confused. And so they had to be retrained. So that's just a couple of stories which make the point about recognizing authority, which is what sort of was happening in our reading today. So those three words stand out were asked Jesus, by what authority? By what authority? It was a question that needed to be asked, but not by those who asked it. The religious heavies of Jesus' day appear to be threatened by the effect he was having on people that he met and who came to hear the good news from him. Jesus was fully aware that these heavies and others too were creating an environment of hatred so strong as to plot his arrest and death. God also had a plot in which Jesus would be crucified like in a sacrificial way in order to provide the way of salvation for humanity. These religious heavies were losing their clout and their assumed safe places in life and so took action to confront Jesus on this issue of his growing authority. His authority was alive and working and was experienced by many as he showed he cared. Jesus' help, healing, deliverance, personability 
love, truth, and so on, cold, hard religion on its ugly head. And since then, his disciples, followers, believers have continued to grow and grow right down through 2,000 years of history to where we are right here today in Vive, in Herne Bay, in Kent, in England. Christianity was influencing people both high and low. And coming to this area in which we live in the late first millennium, during the second millennium, Christianity would be settling as church buildings were erected. And there's lots of them around here. But moves were afoot to plant a church in this locality of Herne Bay from about the mid-19th century when a Herne Bay landowner donated a piece of ground to erect a building for use of a growing church. This Mr. Oxenden submitted his real estate to the authority of Jesus and the building was subsequently constructed and remains where it is today and that's Christ Church in William Street. So all I'm saying, the point of that story is the authority of the gospel of Jesus Christ has fought its way through history with victory. And it fought its way into Herne Bay, and it's still here. We're here based on the authority of Jesus Christ, him crucified, and because we live under his authority. We're not just here as a club. We live, move, and act under the apostolic authority of Jesus Christ and his apostles. And the authority that we go by is our Bibles. That's, I can see many open. You're sitting with the authority of the God of the universe on your laps. That's the authority by which we meet. The things that we do are biblically based. That's how we want it to be, based on the authority of the scriptures. So they said, by what authority? And you and I have the right to ask, well, by what authority do you do these things? Now, the church, the question that was asked of Jesus then should be being asked of the church today. What we do, what we say, how God changes our lives and he heals people and sets people free and puts them on a right course should cause people to say, well, what authority are you doing that? Who gives you the authority to do that and be like that? Well, the Bible does. Jesus' words does. God's plan does. God's desire does. God's love does. That's the authority by which we do these things. Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin, sorry? One of the reasons we are here this morning is because Jesus declared authority 
during his first team meeting with his disciples. And I'm going to read it from Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, just note that, remember that, if you don't forget anything, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the authority that we have today. So his authority was questioned by the religious heavies, we asked the question this morning, by what authority are we here? And by what authority do we live? And we say, well, Jesus gave us the command. And it's, came to, it's come down through history in a solid way that brings the authority of the gospel that changes people's lives today and makes new creations and gives life and hope and all that we need. God wants to do you good today. He wants to do me good. He, he loves us so much, and we live by that authority. God wants to create new life in us. And people should be asking the question, by what authority are you doing that? It should be that significant. Demonstrations of his love and his power. Now, I believe that a few weeks ago, I was speaking about the, uh, the minas which were given um, to the people to invest and we looked at prayer, and we looked at the work amongst the kids and the youth, how God had placed something in our hands to be a blessing and to change, to be a dynamic here. And um, I believe there's another meaner here that God wants, I, I believe God wants to place increasing authority into Beacon's hands. And he wants us to consider where we are with that authority. And I just want to use a mixture of helps and hindrances in order that we might become or keep being a church with God's authority upon us. And I just want to give a health hazard warning here. I'm going to say some things in a minute out of the Bible which may be contrary to the lifestyle that you know and understanding. And it's not a condemnation. It's just telling us God's ideal for us. It's not discriminating against anybody, but it's God's ideal for us. It's how God, we find God's authority over our lives is such a blessing and so life-changing that we say, well, why didn't I do it before? Why didn't, why, didn't I come, why didn't I give my life to Jesus? Why didn't I surrender to his authority? Why didn't I come under his command and his love? His authority is not, you know, the authority we, we usually think, do this, 
do that, do the other. His authority is one that is for our good and for our blessing. And I want to say any church without a measure of spiritual authority is not God's idea of church in its biblical interpretation. And I suppose there's plenty of evidence around us as different church buildings are not being used for the building they were built. And we could say, why is that? The first thing I want to reiterate now, the way that we can expand or enlarge on authority, we can grow in the authority God wants to have for us, is through the scriptures, through our Bibles. We can't even begin to understand what God's authority is about unless we become familiar with the truth in our Bibles. Our Bibles are the defining authority for the church as it should be. Church isn't always as it should be, and we must make sure that we do. But the scriptures give us guidance, and they say things which we find lie in the face of the lifestyles we know and are part of sometimes, and, uh, but they're there to help us. They're there to bless us. Now, strangely, much of what makes any church demonstrate the authority of God in its ranks is measured in our homes, in the workplace, with our neighbours, within our relationships with whoever it may be. Not always in meetings like this. God's authority, strangely, is demonstrated in our homes, in our workplace, amongst our neighbours, within our relationships, not always in meetings like this. The next thing I want to say is there's a very special synergy between husband and wife as a married couple and also in the larger context of family life and the church. And just to read from Ephesians in the New Testament, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wives are to submit, and I'll explain in a minute, wives are to submit to their own husbands in the Lord. They are words from the scriptures, and they envisage God's ideal of community and for man. That community, family, happens when you have a husband and a wife a mother and a father, and children grow up within that environment. Marriage is God's ideal with children raised in a family having a father and mother. But that's not what we experience sometimes, and life throws these awful things at us. And sometimes we find, we just wonder why life's going awry. And because it's not so ideal, it's not condemnation, but that's why Jesus came, to change it round the other way, to make it good for us, to make it right. None of us have the right to discriminate against another, whatever their lifestyle or situation. The Bible says that we're not, as Christians, we're not to judge other people, and we don't do that, because God doesn't. He doesn't do that. He says, I love you so much. I want the best for you. 
I want the best for you. Marriage is ordained of God and with mutual love is the provision where sexual activity is rightfully engaged to the exclusion of any others. Singleness also has great potential in special and different ways and demonstrates the God-given right to remain that way. So Jesus' authority is demonstrated beyond the immediate church setting. And as I started off, things which happen in the church should be mirrored in the family. Christ is the head of the church, and the husband is the head of the wife. And I know that needs some explanation. I know the words of wife submitting to your husband need some explanation, but it works. There's a deference there. But we live in a broken, fallen world, and sometimes husbands or male partners are not what they should be. And there's abuse in our families, and there's situations which really throw the whole thing in the air and say, well, what is it all about? Can I just bring, bring us back to this point? The authority of the scriptures and the authority of this is God's authority is the way forward. That's the ideal. Let's say, if I can get on that path, and it might take a long time, we will find God's authority works. Let's change the setting for a minute. Let's go to the workplace. We've seen the home and the Bible sees that relationship as part of the synergy of the church because it tells us that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. He submitted. He gave his life for us. In the workplace, the call for workers to be subject to their masters as we re recognize the dynamic of authority over us, the dynamic of authority grows within us. Now, God wants us to move on with authority to be able to do things that we, can't, we found we couldn't do ourselves. He wants us to give us the control of our lives back, if you like. He wants us to say, "What you can handle your life now. You can do it, mate. You can do it. With God, the help you find is all that we need. So in the workplace, the employer has authority over the employees. And in the New Testament, it encourages Christians in the workplace to be subject to their masters. And that's a dynamic that, as I say, it's reflected outside of a church setting. God's authority, it shows. But you see, what it's doing when we do that, it's building something in us which demonstrates a dynamic that we never knew before. It gives us a newfound authority in life and with God. In the workplace. It's mirrored in the church too, recognizing God's authority given to elders and leaders. So within Beacon Church here, there are three elders. And one of them is the lead elder, Steve, who's away. Bob mentioned Steve's not here today as lead elders. And it's, got, it's an authority under God. There's a God-given authority 
one he's taking seriously and responsibly. We know it doesn't always happen that way and sometimes we live in a broken world and sometimes church is broken because of it. But that's God's ideal. The elders and the leaders as pastors in the church. That's that dynamic of authority which is so important. Now let's move to another setting. A few weeks ago, Bob taught or preached about knowing the fullness in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit enables people to do things they'd never done before and enables them and enables them to find a new dimension to their lives. Let me just remind you what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience. Come on, help me out here, guys. Pardon? Can't hear you. Yes, gentleness. Self-control. That's the one. Self-control. Self-control is the only one that talks about what happens within. I mean, faith, love, gentleness is all what we can do. It's an outward show. Now, when you want to change something in your life and you find you haven't got the power or the strength to do it, the Holy Spirit is the one who actually makes that possible. There are thousands of people today who are saying things like, I wish I could change that. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't flare up. I wish I didn't shout. I wish I could control my anger. I just wish I couldn't do it. I wish I could stop eating so much chocolate. Things that you can't do in your own strength now become possible because the Holy Spirit comes within and he helps us to do it. That's a dynamic you won't find anywhere else. Self-control. There are some people who desperately want to give up smoking. They can't do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you really want to do it and you can't find the strength anywhere else, God helps you to do it through the Holy Spirit. That's an authority which you won't find anywhere else. Not in its dynamic and power. So that's the way that we move forward with God's authority on and over our lives. There's one more and I finish with this. I just want to tell you about a man called Moses. A lot of the old Christians here will know who Moses was and some of you won't know who he was. But he was a man who led God's people, the people of Israel, and God gave him the ability to demonstrate a supernatural dynamic. And he had a thing which was called a staff, which was called a rod. And uh, because he was a shepherd, he had this rod. And he was speaking to God one day, and God had asked him, God had asked him to do something, and he said, hmm, I don't know if I can do that. So God said to him, that rod you've got in your hand, Moses, throw it down on the ground. And so he threw it down the ground, and it became a snake. 
And then God said to him, pick it up, man. (gasps) And so he grabbed it by the tail, which is what you shouldn't do with snakes. You should grab them behind the neck, behind the head. And when he picked it up, it went back, turned back into a rod again. Now, as a believer in the Bible, I know that's a true story, but you may not pray it, but this is what I want to say to you. I think, and this is where God wants us to move on with spiritual authority within our beacon context. That rod was only used for demonstration of the supernatural. And he only used it when God told him to use it. But it was, a, it was a thing that he experienced in his life with God. And my challenge to us today is that we might declare God's authority in spiritual ways uh, with miracles and healing as God's given to the church. Let his authority come upon us. But it doesn't just come. Like I said to you, there is a pathway. If you can't have authority over your own life, God won't give you authority in something else. It is as we prove God in his greatness that we'll know what it is to be a child of God, having authority with the things God's given us. Father, we thank you for all that you want to give us. And we pray that we may see people saved, healed, amongst us as we can community. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to see people set free from sickness and pain. You want to see them set free from mental problems and difficulties. You want to see blessing in our families. You want to see more love, more power. And will it be, Lord? Let it be in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. As uh, Pete's uh, coming, he has come back. He had to uh, go and uh, look after the second of his three children. Uh, but he's back now. Um, so we're going to come. Uh,